Found footage in horror involves presenting the narrative through footage discovered after an event has occurred, often depicted as recordings from camcorders, surveillance cameras, or handheld devices. This technique aims to create a sense of realism and immersion by portraying events as if they were captured by the characters themselves. Typically, found footage films utilize shaky camera work, naturalistic acting, and minimal editing to enhance the illusion of authenticity. The storyline often revolves around the characters documenting paranormal phenomena, exploring haunted locations, or encountering supernatural entities. Welcome back to another episode of So Like Horror. And for this episode, I actually we, we've kind of touched in this realm a little bit before when we did our paranormal activity episode, maybe in the first year or something like that, when I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing, and I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I know a little bit more of what I'm doing than what I did before. So, you know, here we are still doing the podcast you guys are still listening so thank you for that but for this episode we're gonna go into uh found footage a little bit more and and you know dabble within the whole subgenre, specifically in horror because found footage does go into different pockets of sci-fi superhero uh you know you got uh project almanac chronicle project x even uh, you know, uh, end of end of uh, watch, you know, so, you know, those are all found footage. But for this, we're going to more so stay in a horror genre just because that's what this podcast is. So you like horror. We like horror. So that's what we're going to talk about. So my guest for this episode is actually a new voice. I know you guys have been hearing, you know, a lot of the same voices. And, you know, again, appreciate you all coming back, you know, and, and you know, asking for those voices, but I like to get some new flavor on the podcast every so often. So welcome to the podcast, Mr. Dan Ferrero. Sorry, stumbling here. Dan Ferrero. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you for doing this. How are you feeling? Thank you so much for having me. I feel great. This is a topic I'm definitely passionate about. I geek out over this stuff with my buddies anyway. So might as well uh, record it and have other people take a listen and, and see what they think. So again, thanks for having me on. I've always wanted to be part of a podcast. This is great. Absolutely. No problem. And, and that's just the thing. Like we were talking before, you know, we hit record. And as many of you may have heard me say either on here or my other show, uh, Off The Match Podcast, you know, I always think of podcasts just, you know, conversations between friends that other people get to listen in on, you know. You know, mm-hmm. when you're sitting with your friends in the living room, just chatting about nonsense, it's like, oh, shit, we should have a podcast. And sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. But right. in this case, it I feel like it works. That phrase, we should start a podcast, has become ingrained into American vernacular, I believe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That That's a phrase yeah. that at least one out of every six people has, like, uttered that phrase, you know? And they meant it, too. But only some yeah. people take the action and make it go, make it happen and make it go live. And that's what you're doing right now, Dante. So that's pretty rad. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just the thing. It's like all the different things I like to talk about. It's like, well, what's the thing we could talk about the most? I talk about jujitsu a lot. 
I talk about horror movies a lot. And I was like, let's make some podcast stuff happen with these things. And here we are. So in and, and just getting to this topic, it's one of those things where, like I said, we talked about paranormal activity, uh, you know, a couple years back. And I was like, uh, you know, we, you know, we kind of just stuck there and really like highlighted a lot of things from the franchise. But I was like, you know what? We can go deeper in found footage. And then, you know, you know, Manuel, who's been a guest on this show many a time, you know, mentioned your name to me and connected me to you. And I was like, you know, you mentioned found footage. I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's Perfect. Deep. Yeah, that's serendipity so, right there. You're already thinking about doing that. It was already on your mind anyway. And then it's yeah. And then, and then I point out like, well, there's one genre I can really have fun with. But you don't have to get like too serious. I can really throw a lot of different examples out and really geek out over it. It's gonna be the found footage thing for sure because aesthetically, you can do things that other genres just or other subgenres just can't do. And I just think mm -hmm. that's what makes it so interesting. So and we'll, we'll definitely dive more into what I mean by that so I can sound nice and pretentious because that's the goal, to sound as pretentious <laughs> as humanly possible. Oh, my favorite thing. <laughs> right? It's really fun. It's such a dopamine hit when you're like, I sound snooty. And everyone knows it too, but I'm just teasing. But yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> so, so um, you know, within this genre, with, with found footage in itself, um, what's – you know, some of the, the franchises or not even just franchises, because as we mentioned, paranormal, act paranormal activity is a franchise itself, but other found footage films. Uh, what are some of the ones that you really, really enjoy? Well, you know, I think for a lot of people that grew up like in the 90s, the idea of found footage only became a thing and uh, changed the way movies can be made for you was when the Blair Witch Project was originally released. You remember about that. The, the marketing was so brilliant. They were like, this mm -hmm. is a real movie. This real. I mean, sorry, this is a this is real footage. This really happened. These people really disappeared. Absolutely brilliant. And even at Sundance, where it premiered, they put missing posters of the actors around, being like, if you see these people, let us know. I mean, what Bond villain evil genius came up with marketing of that caliber? Absolutely awesome. So I just bring that up because that's what kind of kickstarted everything uh, for me. And then it's later on, besides the Paranormal Activity franchise, uh, oh my, this is, besides that franchise, there's, there's there definitely is like a lot of a lot of one-offs and part mm -hmm. of what uh what makes these genres so exciting is the fact that it can tell a story in such a different way where you can incorporate jump cuts and things falling out of focus the camera getting shaky cameras making movements and the traditional classically constructed narrative wouldn't be able to do it would be too jarring and it would take you out of the movie but for found footage mm -hmm. that film grammar is expected to be incorporated into it so you can do such different things with jump scares just by the way the camera can move because we're assuming a non-professional camera person is holding that camera. So I just think that's such an interesting way to tell, to tell stories and to have, and uh, to make horror movies. But to go back to your original point, which was, um, which ones kind of stand out in particular, this is so funny. Now, of course, now I, I, of course, now my mind is absolutely blanking. Can we go ahead and can you just throw some stuff in the ball pit? Yeah. The, the Blair Witch, I'm, I'm here in Maryland. So Burkesville, oh. Maryland is about i want to say two maybe two and a half hours away from here that's and so going to cool. my goddaughter's wedding last mm -hmm. uh what was it 2022 we went to my goddaughter's wedding and i remember driving up for the rehearsal dinner and you know i'm by myself so heading up there meeting the family and everything gonna you know connect and i drive past burkittsville and i was like oh fuck <laughs> like Ah, you know, I, I try not to remember that we're that close and, you know, coming back at night, you know, but I remember uh, driving home. It was like, first off, I don't want to be out too, too deep to West Virginia after dark. And then I got to drive past Burkittsville, 
Maryland after dark. So I'm just speeding through playing yeah. Prince. Plenty of reasons mm -hmm. that aren't ghost related either. Get out of West Virginia. Yeah. You're probably like ghosts or no ghosts. I probably yeah. should get out of here sooner rather than later. Okay. So good. Yeah. Thinking. <laughs> Just like, just, just let me get out of here. You know, I'm playing, playing the Purple Rain soundtrack, <laughs> just like speeding, like go. But um, yeah, when the Blair Witch came out, that that was a big one. That you know, just the marketing, like you said, was so brilliant. And you know, we had, I have friends here, just arguing with me, saying, "No, it's real." And you know, by this point, the movie's out, and you know, we've seen that. Hey, it's it's a made up story. But I had a friend, he's arguing with me, saying, "No, my dad." he saw the newspaper article about this like no the kids are from florida it's not real that's so but amazing. uh but it, it you know that that's the one obviously that kind of brings us all into the game is Absolutely. blair witch and then as as we went into paranormal activity the vh uh vhs series oh yes the first vhs is definitely one of my favorite movies of all time regardless oh, yeah. of genre that's just it's every single segment i think is a masterpiece they're all told mm -hmm. differently and they all are like let's use this medium in a way that hasn't been done before and each story will use it differently and then the payoffs at the end of each segment are brilliant and then there's an overarching story that combines everything these like dirtbags that like make uh smut videos getting paid money yeah. to go break into a house and then it's just i mean and now so many other movies have copied that anthology style that VHS started, which is the through line, the reason why yeah. we are watching videotapes with the with that with the sequential sequence of a uh, of, of segments. But VHS like it feels like they did it first. And that was that was also yeah. groundbreaking. Yeah, I feel like with VHS, one of the things that's unique to that series in, in this genre or subgenre is that you look at kids today watching any kind of uh content and it's usually digital mm -hmm. uh and, and even if it's not even just digital like you know stream stream wise is blu-ray or or dvd so you got a lot of kids that don't know what a vhs is absolutely so watching that series and then kind of really delving into well you know they found this stack of tapes you know and, and they play off of that in paranormal activity as well in the second one where mm -hmm. they had a break-in and you know, they, they stole, oh, they just stole, you know, a box of videos, you know, it's like, oh, you know, people, kids today are like, what the fuck are VHSs? What, like, what's a cassette? Yeah. You know, what's a video? And why so, is the quality such dog shit? Why does this look so bad? Didn't things always yeah. look gorgeous in 4K since like 1972? Why does this look so shitty? <laughs> it's like, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, that, you know, the VHS series, uh, I feel like, was just so brilliant and then wreck which i so i didn't see that until later i saw the american remake quarantine, quarantine. i and i yeah i think that's a, i think that's a gem too i i, I loved quarantine mm -hmm. as well but go on about wreck but was it the was that a, is that a mexican film it's a spanish yeah, film. is, is, is it, it is spanish in mexico I, I don't remember if that's where it's I from i feel like it was in spain okay, but it's spain. i could be completely yeah. wrong but, but i thought it was a phenomenon spain. Yeah, Rec yeah, was a it, phenomenon of what they, uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, it was so good. My my buddy, uh, Joe, who's on, who who pops up on the podcast from time to time, anytime I would go, go to his house, he'd always mention Rec. And I'm like, dude, and he, I was like, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it before. I've seen it. I had never seen it. I thought that I had seen it mm, because I'd okay. seen Quarantine. So I was connecting the two and getting mixed up. And either way, both were, were so good. And I think 
rec or quarantine, you know, at least kind of in our modern times where everything's a remake of something else or things like that. That's the first time we I think we may have gotten a remake of a found footage film, you know, that sounds about in, right in a quick turnaround. Yeah, I can't imagine any other situation where something would have preceded that. So that sounds about right. Yeah. So, you know, watching Wreck uh, was a treat. Uh, Grave Encounters is another one that I know totally a lot of people. On. Totally slept yeah. on Grave Encounters. It's so fun and it feels so real when they're in the hospital. It's so claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. It feels so authentic. Yeah, go on. I'm so glad like, you brought that one up. Yeah. With Grave Encounters, I know a lot of people really love that one. And it's one that I feel like so many people love it. But at the same time, so many people kind of lose sight of that one because I, I think some of the ghost hunter shows that that, you know, pop up on whichever streaming network now mm -hmm. discovery, maybe, you know, it, you know, people look at those and then you see grave encounters and you're, you know, it's so good that you think it's one of those things. And you're just like, ah, this is bullshit. I'm not going to watch this. Da, da, da. And then it's like, no, no, this is a really good film. You just got to, you know just go with it so you know there, there's so much that you know we got to a point with with found footage because you know when we got our Blair Witch and our paranormal activity and our wreck and our VHS's you know then we started to kind of get an almost uh, oversaturation in the late 2000s maybe early 2010s because they're so cheap to make and you don't need like you, you know you get amateur actors yeah actually maybe. having named talent would not would be to your detriment you wouldn't want yeah. a known actor doing this because the whole illusion is to make you think you're watching like someone's home movie you don't be like oh but mm -hmm. that guy's in blah, blah blah and that guy was in blah blah of course this is fucking made up so yeah it actually yeah. it's it's the, the lower the quality the lower the production value uh effectively it makes it a much more authentic experience you're absolutely right man that, i mean that's what made blair witch work and i mean the first paranormal activity that's for sure what made that work because i believe they wanted to get like named actors they wanted to redo it and reshoot really? it and get like named actors in it wrong choice and, wrong choice and, yeah yeah they're like no they, they, like this can't work with drew barrymore this yeah. can't work with david <laughs> Homer, you know because i think i think one of those two names was attached initially when, in, in conversations it was I like heard that fucking weird that you would want to like the ideal of this it, it taps into a new style of fear and you can't tap that fear if you see a celebrity in that footage because you know they're safe and sound so that's exactly it but but yeah that that's you know that's always been my feel with uh, found footage is like you have so much that you can do with it now and granted yes we hit this oversaturation point at at a, at a moment but then the beauty of it is it gets more creative and it, it's weird to say that because it doesn't sound like oh it gets more creative how it's just i don't know how to explain it but it's like you know korea does a great fucking job with it they have with, some um, gems man oh my god so many and yeah. and you wouldn't think like oh you can like you can keep doing this and and they all like they just make it work, you know. Again, Spain they make it work. Um, they, where, where, I think India maybe has oh, a couple very of them cool. too. 
And I think part of what makes those work too is the fact that those countries have such these deep embedded cultures that we're not really familiar mm -hmm. with. So they can introduce all these new elements, things we don't even know are a thing, and they can take those elements, recontextualize them into like a horror story. And then you get such unique perspectives on things and like ghosts and demons and ghouls and stuff. And they come after your kids and all this other stuff. And like, oh, wow, this is so different than, this, than the kind of ghost boogeyman stories that we heard growing up mm -hmm. uh and then another franchise i'd like to now can finally think of some is uh have you watched any of those hell house movies hell yes that i just another, scrolled right right yeah. past i was like hell house i love i love those two and again it's another deep mythology and it feels authentic it just really feels like they're disguised they're setting up this empty abandoned abandoned hotel this it's that authenticity where like it's it's not this beautiful golden lighting with the with the kicker light hitting the, the back of your head so he's fully separate from the background and these like this diffusion and beautiful uh and and beautiful sharp uh picture what have you it's the low budget aspect that just makes you feel like you're just you're like peering in there's almost like a voyeuristic element where you're watching yes. someone's like private footage you maybe you shouldn't be watching and then also there's that immediacy where like it just really feels like all this is happening right now in the moment and when you have famous actors like you said Dante when you have uh Oh man, I think the worst thing that happened to horror movies ever was the overindulgence of CGI. You know what I mean? When you have oh, things, yes. when you have things that are just so abundantly produced and like slick, and then you watch a Hell House series or what have you, and it's like I can't tell, like I can't tell where the production ends and where the like I can't I can't tell. Like who is yeah. actually holding? Like who's holding the camera here? Like but actually, but like how did how did you like accomplish that? Like how are you making it feel so claustrophobic? Like where is everybody? Like who, besides like, and that, that just, it's that level of, I keep using the word authenticity and immediacy, but that's really what draws me into part of it's like the, how are they making this look so real? And then you and then if you can just surrender yourself to the experience and just believe that it's real, cause it's just more fun that way. And it can be a really mm -hmm. awesome movie experience. Like don't be, don't be one of those rain, those rain clouds. It's like, well, you know, like, yeah, but look, it's all fucking fake and blah, blah, blah. It's like, just surrender to it, dude. Just have some fun and let's just forget about reality for a bit and pretend that what we're watching is actually happening. I don't know. Maybe not everyone's like that. <laughs> and, and I think that's the thing too. It's like the suspension of disbelief is, it is. your yep. it is your secret weapon with these films because if you go in and start like nitpicking, you sure, go. you might run into your issues. Again, in the beginning when you had Blair Witch, you had Paranormal Activity, it was a little different because this is still fresh in our minds. I mean, Blair Witch was 99 um, and, and Paranormal Activity was 07. So you had an eight year gap between the two of those films. And, you know, and these are two of the bigger name films. I mean, before uh, Blair Witch, we had um, was it the last broadcast uh, about the Jersey Devil. That's apparently the uh, the first found footage horror movie. Like that's documented yes. as the first one. Like Blair Witch may have like opened up the the genre to like mass audiences, but the last broadcast is the first one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um. And in in the thing is, it's like you know when you look at like a Blair Witch, you can't really nitpick it too too much, you know, because uh, it's out in the woods. It's one of those things where it's like, huh? This, this it's like if if there's some spooky shit going on. You know, it's easy to get lost in the woods. It's easy to get turned around. Oh, you know, Josh threw away the map. Oh, well, now you're really fucked. Yeah. So there, there's so much there where it's like, you know, what, are you, what are you fucking with here? Like, what are you nitpicking? You know, and, and the beauty of that is like, there is no monster that yeah. you see. You Your see imagination anything. is the monster. 
Beautiful. Yes, absolutely. And then that final shot of uh, Josh. No, not Josh. The, uh, the, 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 the shorter kind of thicker one. Josh was the tall, lanky one, right? The other guy. Yes. The guy that threw away the map. Yeah. The guy that threw away the map because he was so pissed off. And he's just, yeah. he's just, he's just, you know, standing in the corner. And because it was a good narrative where they planted your, I planted the seed in your head way earlier on that the Blair Witch would make that one turn around while she killed the other one. Once you see that, you all, like it all hits you at one time. And then it just fucking cuts to black when yeah. they top all over with the camera. And then there's like very, very little music or sound design happening over those credits. And I remember being a, a, like a senior in high, junior, senior in high school with my buddies at the local cinema in uh, Ledgewood, New Jersey, Northern New Jersey, and we're sitting on the curb outside the movie, and I'm just and I'm just shaking because I've never seen anything like that before. And I do believe one of the hallmarks too, Dante, of a really good found footage horror movie is that last 15 minutes, when all the banality, the yeah. mundane stuff at the beginning that's really making these feel like real people, they're just regular people, you have to establish, I think one criticism people do have a found footage, uh, let me know if you agree with this, is the fact that for some of them, in the really good ones, long chunks of stuff of of no plot, like nothing's really happening. We're just planning little details and uh, building some characterization and 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 such like that. And maybe there's some role building, but for some of them, it really nothing can go on for a while. But that's important yeah. because that last 15 minutes, when the shit hits the fan and it's total chaos, the contrast, the stark contrast between the banality of the beginning and that moment just makes it way more effective. And I think some of the, the most, the best final 15 minutes of any movies ever would, could, would significantly fall into the foul footage genre because that's what it's so good at, that last 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. What would you say about that? What do you, no, I absolutely, that? I absolutely yeah. agree. I mean, because if, if you have a movie that's nonstop action the entire time. Like a Michael Bay flick. You know, I love Michael yeah. Bay. He's great. Don't get me wrong. He like reinvented action movies. Don't get me wrong. But if it, 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 it was like that, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a time and place for you know for for that. And, and the thing is with with found footage, if it's nonstop action, completely all the way through, it loses the realism to it. Because Absolutely, the fact dude. is, you know, when you're watching, you know, home films, you know, these these types of things, you know, when you, when you think about reality TV. And, you know, let's let's go back to, um, in, uh, you know, I apologize to anybody that's hearing this again. I've been on, a rea you know, this whole discussion about reality TV and its effect on, on our society today. Um, and, and but this this factors in heavy. OK, let's go to real world season one. What was it? Ninety one or ninety two, something like that. Oh, the first season and in New York, the very first <laughs> season. The thing that. OK, wow. OK, we're going way back, dude. Right on. All right. So they did a really good job because in that season, they had a TV in the house. Norm always wanted them to record Star Trek. <laughs> and there was a an episode where an that didn't happen. Time, man. Okay. And he mm -hmm. got upset about it. Now, the thing is, thinking about it, it's like, at no point do you ever see them just sitting around watching TV. You know, the real world kind of had a point of keeping the action going, even though you still had some downtime, whether they're sitting around shooting pool, but there's always conversation going on, stuff like that. But that's what kind of makes, you know, those things where it's like you, you want to see realism because this is what real people do. They sit around, they talk. Whereas once you get into later seasons, there's always activity going on. Oh, we got to work. We got to do this. Let's go on an adventure. And, and that's where you lose your reality to these things. So when you look at something like, Let's take uh, Hell House. You know, it, it, it's there's constant stuff going on, but you have your moments where, you know, the one dude, he's getting in bed, getting ready, you know, for the night. 
and he's talking to the camera and then yeah. there's a silhouette behind him at the door. Brilliant. It's so simple and it's so effective. That moment. It's yeah. so simple. It's so effective. Yeah. And this is that downtime part, but there's still activity, but it's in the downtime and, and, you know, you, you don't think much of it, you know, and it's kind of explained away later on. Now, mm -hmm. as you go throughout, you know, you got, Hey, can you go check this out? You know, you got one guy walking around and you're thinking you're expecting something. You're, you're tense. You're ready. And nothing happens. Nothing at all. He just sees some clowns. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, cool. There, you know, there, there's some, you know, some mannequins here. Cool. We'll mess with these later. And you're waiting for it. You're waiting and it doesn't happen. And, and I think that's important with found footage is like, you have to have those moments of that, that downtime that, that because you're expecting something and you're I not love getting that. it. And they're not, they're not giving it to you. They're, they're building the mm -hmm. tension without the release. Yeah. That's, that's so spot on. And it's also a great way. Those down moments where it seems like nothing's happening, but really what they're doing too is the filmmaker is showing you little things that might come back later on es establishing geography, establishing some mm -hmm. relationships. Like we're, we're giving you information, but we're doing it well enough where you don't get really bad script. It's they, they give a bad exposition. They're just like saying things at each other. Like, remember that time yeah. when you did this, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no one really talks like that. You have, you have to mix it into the script. And, and yes. how house is effective where they're giving you all, they're giving you the background details, all this information disguised as, like you said, Dante, friends sitting around having chats, walking around, shooting shots at the place and kind of killing time before they got to get busted, busting their ass. And then again, it, it also lays back to the thing I said earlier about having moments of, what we call it downtime or being banal or mundane or what have you, that stuff is important to anchor the realism, like you said. And then also when shit hits the fan, the contrast between that and the beginning, it's so intense that I just don't understand how someone can't watch that and not get just get like super just jazzed about what they're watching, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think about, you know, the first paranormal activity. Because, it, you know, it was a big deal where it was being shown in select cities. And my uh, wife's best friend, I think her younger brother went to see it in theater here in Maryland. And he was shook. Yeah. And I wasn't buying it. I was like. <laughs> you didn't even believe. Oh, poor guy. He comes to you with this sincere emotional state. Like, it really shook me. And you're like, eh, shut up. It's probably nothing. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, bullshit. There's no way that's that scary. So I watched the first one and it gave me chills. It made me feel uneasy. But the big thing is the way it ended. The ending gets me every time because yep. as you're looking at it, you're like, huh, okay. Well, what's going on here? And, you know, you see Micah, you know, Katie's downstairs. She screams for Micah. Micah goes running. And, like, because now we're at this point where the action has kind of been ramping up, ramping mm -hmm, up. Mm -hmm, You've been mm -hmm. seeing activity now. And now you're at a point where you say, hey, you know, she just ran downstairs. Or she's downstairs. He just ran down there after her. What the fuck is going to happen here? Like, and, and, and you know, when you look at the time, you see there's only, like, moments left. You're like, this is it. That this last 15 minutes, the last 15 minutes. Yep. Mm -hmm. So um, it, and it, it still, it still kicks me in the gut every time I can't, I actually can't watch the very end of the first one just because the way she launches at the camera, you know, when, when she throws Micah's body and the camera falls over and she comes over and sniffs it and then like, like roars at the camera. I'm like, I still don't look at that. 
it's I, still... I'm literally getting goosebumps to you talking about that. Because I remember the first time I like, wow, that's so crazy. I remember the first time you talked, uh, seeing that. And yeah, it, and, and, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, you know, it's it's not real, but they did such a good job of like kind of making you lose that ideal throughout the movie. And I, I, I know I have friends who are like, oh, God, it's so boring. And but that's part of what you what we're just talking about, though. You need the downtime. You need the you mundane. Have to, you have to have you that. Know. It's part of the formula, man. It yeah, pays yeah. off. It pays off so much. Just get to know the characters. But then you're like this voyeur watching these watching these kind of private moments. And then watch when the fucking shit hits the fan and it turns on a, it turns on a dime and becomes something else entirely. You're gonna be so grateful that you got these moments of feeling like you're getting to know these people. Because other horror oh, yeah. movies too, Dante. Uh, one another criticism of, of modern horror too would be um, screenwriters purposefully writing unlikable characters so that when they get killed off, it's satisfying. And I totally, mm -hmm. and I totally, I, I do totally get that. But if they go a little too too much with that and you really just don't like the people and you're waiting for them to die, well, then you're rooting for the side of the killer and it kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. So I, that, that's why I like when uh, when these these more kind of rooted, grounded, realism-based uh, found footage horror movies. When like the people are regular people and they're kind of nice and they're sweet, kind of minding their own business, like you're going to root for them more. You're going to be more effective when bad things happen to them, you know? Yep. So that's something that I think found footage does, good, does a good job of. Go ahead. And I do think in found footage, they do kind of have that a little bit, but it's a little subtle. You know, you know, again, when you go back to Blair Witch, you actually have the three care. All three characters are unlikable in their own way. But at the same time, you're rooting for them because they are lost as fuck. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. You and they're know, trying to they make a movie, dude. Yeah. yeah. They're trying. Yeah. yeah. Are they, because they're trying to make a movie. And also, how would we be reacting if we were in that situation? Would we be mm -hmm. super charming and like charismatic? Or be like, yeah, I fuck it through the map away because you guys suck, and I don't care what happens to us anymore. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, you look at um, you know, Paranormal Activity. Micah is kind of that that unlikable character to some degree. He's because, kind of a tool. He's kind of a tool. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and then even when you get to the second one, the dad is kind of in that pocket now because the dad isn't listening to anyone. You know. The, the daughter, you know, she's trying to explain, you know, this is happening. The wife, she, you know, Chrissy is, is like, I don't feel comfortable. You know, I, I'm uneasy. The housekeeper, you know, or the nanny, you know, she's trying to like sage the house. And, and the dad is just like, no, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, he so now he becomes that, that guy. Yeah. He becomes that guy. Um, he, he does come around in the end, but it's too late. And then he gets it. And then, yeah. Talk about shocking endings. We got oh, we took yeah. so much time getting to Christy and her husband getting to know these guys and then and then that that winds up being his fate like that's his fate like that's yeah. so fuck <laughs> yeah, i just love thinking and, about this stuff it's so fun and that franchise you know kind of really really opened the door up on ideal of you know found footage having well just that a franchise that ties it all together because you know you got your first or your second one that the first one is technically kind of like a sequel or kind of yeah to some degree to the second one and, yeah. and then you, know, you get your, your their third one is like a super prequel of both Katie and Chrissy as and little, little girls. Little girls. What started, in the 80s. you know, yeah, 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 like 87 or something. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the fourth one, which, you know, the fourth one was I, I wasn't crazy about just because at that point, I feel like it had become relatively bigger known now. So there are certain things they're doing to push the story that didn't necessarily fit the angling of the cameras and the reasons why you know I, so 
I can I can see what you're saying about that. Sure. Like Catherine Newton, who you know now we know her in other stuff now, but she yeah, she really blew up. Time. Yeah, she's become oh, she's yeah. like a modern scream queen now, man. She's she's doing well for herself. Oh, yeah. I was I have a story about her that I'll tell you in a second after after you finish. Go ahead. So like there are parts of the movie where she's moving around with with the camera with the laptop. And it's like there's no reason for you to be running across the street to the neighbor's house with your laptop in yeah. hand. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the but the movie, but these scenes have to happen. We have to document them. How do we document it? Well, she's got to fucking carry the laptop because the plot has to happen. Yeah, that is and, that's that's a thing. Yeah. And the iPhone, I don't think was at its point yet where that was a function. At, I, I don't think because, uh, because yeah, it was supposed to take place right. in 04. So, and we're seeing the movie, you know, in like 2010 or 11 at oh, this point. It was, so, it was set in 04 though. I, I, I don't remember yes. that. Okay. So it was set in 04. Then back in 04, we still had the giant thick block cell phones that like could talk for three minutes before the battery died. You know what I mean? So yeah, that wasn't going to be a thing. So, you know, there, there are certain things where it's like, it. I, I just needed, a, a little bit better explanation because again she's running around with the, the laptop you know when she goes over to the neighbor's house it's like there could be any other reason that any other thing i don't know something but but it's you're still not wrong, wrong. but yeah you're not wrong yeah yeah <laughs> but you know even with that one it's like you the dad yet again is the one who is kind of the unlikable character because again he's not really believing you know what's going on he's just you know they're they're trying to show him the video of of the you know the um xbox um you know thing happening in the dark and he's like oh you guys are really creative with this stuff now and it's like no dad like there's some shit going down that was some clever and, stuff i thought using the little tracking dots i thought that was clever oh yeah you know, yeah, and and that's one of the neat things I think with this genre that just has become so cool is like they're finding ways to make te technology work for you. You know, mm. whether it be through Zoom Zoom meetings and having a seance, and now that's your found footage, or yeah, you know, whether it be using PlayStation or Xbox technology or laptop cameras, you know, running around the neighborhood, you know. But th there's always something new. Dash cam. You know, that's another one where, you know, you're utilizing, you know, YouTube even, you know, it's just like the, the beauty of this subgenre is that it is growing and it's changing with the technology, you know, versus like, and, and it has to be quick. It has to be up to date because again, you can't put out a movie, you know, let's say it's, we're in 2024 right now and you're like, okay, let's put this movie out. And then it's like, Oh, well, we, we recorded back in 20, you know, 19 and now we're putting it out now saying that it's, you know, a, a modern or a current found footage film, but your technology isn't quite up to date with. Everything. Yeah. The audience might be, the audience might be like, well, actually could have used this thing, but that thing didn't exist back then because you thought, yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's a brilliant point, man. You made about as technology develops and advances. So will the genre because it's new, pieces of technology that are conducive to taking taking photos or shooting video or even just recording audio as these new things come to be clever filmmakers will find a way to take that technology incorporate it as one of the visual aesthetics of their movie and then if they're really clever find a way to build some kind of build some kind of a scare out of that then it, yep. you're right it can always be adapting that's so cool i never even thought about it that way as new technology emerges if they can incorporate it they'll incorporate it and they'll even build scares around it that's very cool yeah, you know, and as I was doing um, 
because people may not believe this about this podcast, but from time to time, I actually do some research and some homework. Yeah, I know sometimes folks <laughs> can listen like, oh, this dude is just making some shit up now. And a I see, lot it's of going along. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but, the, you know, this time I actually decided let's do let's let's dig. There's a documentary on um, Shutter about, oh, about I love footage Shutter. Um, oh, there called, is um, footage phenomenon. Um, oh my God. I will literally watch that this week. I'll put it in my queue. I didn't because Shutter is one of the best descriptions. By the way, if any horror fans are listening and you don't want to pay the like seven or eight bucks for Shutter or whatever, it, re it really is worth it. Like it's oh, so much sure. stuff on there. And there's also between Shutter and then like Amazon Prime, there's also if you're in the mood to watch mm -hmm. like, a shitty horror movie, you want to watch a really bad one and like laugh at it. Man, Prime and Shutter have you hooked up. There's our movies we were made for $30. $30 budgets are on that shit, and they're so fun, especially when you're fucked up with friends. So that's my little Whoa. advertisement for Shudder. Also, go to Tubi. Tubi has <laughs> never Tubi. let me down. It's Tubi. never let me down. Movies that, oh, how did they get on there? That's so funny. Tubi. And, Tubi. And, like, and all that shit. Oh, my God. What a fucking joke. Tubi is that app that makes me feel like I, I'm confident I could take my iPad, my laptop, and my phone and make a movie tonight. Oh. They're amazing that confidence on there yeah. next week. And it's an amazing confidence boost. It will inspire you oh, as an artist. Because if you're making if you're if you we are a podcaster and you're talking for a living, there's an art to it. So we're gonna say you're an artist. That uh oh yeah, obviously it speaks to you for sure. So hold on, it's called found footage phenomenon. Cause I'm gonna fucking put this in my yeah. queue, man. Thank you, Dante. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Oh, yeah, Wait. awesome. Okay, oh, about 2021. Okay, cool. I to totally missed this one. All right. Go so ahead. yeah, um, I was actually watching that and um, you know, kind of taking notes. And one of the points that they made about found footage and and the earlier roots goes back to early literature. When you look at something like Bram Stoker's Dracula, Mary Shelley, Mary, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Frankenstein. But you know, they talk about how you know the story is kind of told through journaling, you know, and letters, and you kind of take this as an earlier note of found footage, and you know, it's like you think about it, it's like, okay, I kind of see what you're saying there. And then, you you know, you kind of get into your 60s with, like, Peeping Tom, you know. as something. Powell, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That's right. You know, you know, you get your early taste of it where it's not exactly found footage, but you're getting an idea of somebody using the camera as a tool of the movie. And, and then... Um, and a first person perspective, which is also very important. It's a, it's a first person point of view. We're seeing what they're seeing, yes. you know, which also um, in a traditional narrative, you don't see that very too often, unless it's for a special sequence, but having long chunks of time where it's filmed like that, it's just a whole different movie experience. Right. Yes. Yep. Um, but you know, you, you know, I got, you know, a little bit of information there, just kind of, you know, that's really around. Cool that's cool. Um, but like when, when, when you really look back on it like that, it's like, oh my God, you know, maybe, you know, it, it was a matter of time before somebody kind of took the ideal. And you always wonder, you know, when you see someone like a Jordan Peele, who's a big horror fan, and, you know, he puts hints of other horror movies and franchises in his films. And it's like somebody who studies the genre and, and all the little connectors to it. And it's like, you know, you think about the kids who did uh, Blair Witch. You think about Paranormal Activity and Wreck and, and um, you know, Lake Mungo and, uh, oh, like you Mongo, know, that's great too. That's Australia, right? That was a yes. Movie. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know, you you think about these things as like, you know, were any of these folks like that deep of a fan where you know you kind of picked up on that, and then you say, hey, why don't we try this? Because if you it, it, let's say you know they redid Dracula, 
and it was done kind of in, in just that. I mean, Brown Stoker's Dracula and what uh, Francis Ford Coppola, when he did it, was kind of done in that way where, you know, you're you're seeing, uh, the, you know, the letters being read and, and the story being told in that way. So you do kind of have that element, but not direct. So, you know, you, you do have some early roots way, way back when. And even when you get something like Cannibal Holocaust, you know, it, it plays into you know, the documentary style, you know, because that's, you know, one of those fun things about found footage is you have different styles where, again, it is legit found. Hey, these people went missing. We found their footage. Let's watch the story and see what the fuck possibly happened. We're going to all solve it together. Or you take the documentary format where you got something like the Bay, which Chesapeake Bay, we out here in Maryland. What's yeah, up? I saw that one. Yeah. Mm hmm. You know, so, you know, now you're playing with the, this this new tool of someone telling the story and they're talking about it. And as they're telling the story, the horror starts to unfold as you're watching it. it I mean, it is it's like it's so creative. And, it, you know, I know there are a lot of folks that are like, again, they're not crazy about it because of those down moments. And then they're like, oh, it's so corny. It's so predictable. I think. People who think that way, you know, especially about found footage, I think they feel, in my experience at least, feel that way about horror in general. And I feel like that's a way of them kind of, you know, skating by the fact that they might be a little scared and they just want to try to make fun of it and, and you know, kind of pump themselves up. Whereas, like, I'm watching Hell House right now in the background, and nice. I'm going to be honest, that shit still makes me feel uneasy. I've seen it. God knows how many times, and it still fucking times. scares me. Every time, every time. You know what's you know what's really cool about what uh, what you mentioned about the journals, right? So if we look at a traditional book, like a like a narrative fiction book that has like the all seeing narrator, and then mm -hmm. writing in the third person and all that jazz, but then you have like you said books like uh, Frankenstein and Dracula through the journals. Now it's of a third person perspective. It is that first person point of view. So instead of a first person point of view of someone walking around with the camera. It's their first person point of view just by putting the pen to the parchment, pen to the paper, you know? Yep. So that, that connection does make a lot of sense. And that's that's interesting. And your theory on guys that are kind of people kind of haters of horror and kind of say those things. Like, what if part of that is like a defense mechanism covering for the fact that they're embarrassed that they feel a little scared? I never thought about it that way. That's a really interesting theory, man. That's interesting. I, I always just think about that because I have so many friends who they look at it that way. They're like, oh, I just laugh at horror movies. I don't find them scary at all. And it's like, oh, I, yeah. What the fuck is that <laughs> attitude? Do you have any joy in your heart? Do you experience anything fun? Like, get the fuck out of here. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I feel you. Because, like, don't get me wrong. There are horror movies that I laugh at. But it's not because, oh, of you course. Know, that's part of the fun. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, it's not because some... you think you're better than it, you know? Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, because, like, look, I go to bed watching Shudder most nights. You know, that's how you fall um, asleep with shutter on every single night. Weirdly, that's yes. so, that is just so perfect for you, dude. That's like your love, um, your bedtime story is putting on shutter yeah. like seven nights a week. That's so fucking telling. That's so funny. Go on. <laughs> it depends. There's some nights where I will watch shutter or I'll go to Tubi and I'll put on the Smurfs, you know, something because sometimes I need a palate cleanser. There's like because tonight I'm watching Hell House and I am for sure going to probably be watching Transformers or Smurfs before bed. Um, <laughs> so just just so because funny. this movie fucks with me. Yeah. Um, in the house that we are in currently, we bought this house in 2016. Oh, you're a homeowner. And, okay. But hey, nicely done. All right. You own your own. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And when we, so we signed in August and, you know, a couple of days after my wife's birthday, I was like, happy birthday. You know, I, I can't afford this. I had a mental breakdown, quit my job and said, let's buy a house. And it <laughs> somehow worked. It should enough, but Hey, we, we got lucky. Wow. And, and in the time that, um, you know, we're still at our old townhouse or, or that we're renting, I'm bringing boxes over. I train jujitsu nearby. That was part of why we we moved here because we're close to the gym. I was like, perfect. We close to oh, my sick. wife's job. Sick, Everything yeah. was perfect. So I'd finished training. I come here with a, a, a car full of boxes and I'd unload the boxes, go hop in the shower, um, you know, and, and kind of, you know, get cleaned up. And it's still a brand new house. So we we don't have any radio here, no TV. It's just me in the house, and I would hear creaking because the house is settling. But the layout of the house reminds me; it's nothing near the size of the house from the second par paranormal activity. Sure, but the layout is a little bit similar as far as like the basement, the stairs, okay, uh, uh, you know, the door and everything. And I watched, you know, that quite frequently at that time, especially. And I would be here during the day, and I'm like, holy shit, I don't feel comfortable. I don't know if we should have bought this house. I was just uneasy. But that's part of the fun of that shit because yeah, that's the power even though I was uncomfortable, it. I would watch the shit anyway. I would watch it, and then I would come here, you know, a couple of days later, start, like, moving shit in again. And I'm like, God, I don't want to be here. This shit. You know, I go in the attic, and I'm, I was like, oh, fuck, this place is creepy. I go in the basement, which is fortunately a finished basement. It's just when my, my wife works nights so when she's at work i don't record it i don't go in the basement i i basements are inherently fucking creepy to me oh and, just no way yeah. around it man get out of here yeah. dark basement go fuck yourself yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in the the bathroom down there the medicine cabinet is from time to time it's open just by itself um and it, it did it a lot before I started putting furniture down there and, and the TV and the exercise equipment. And, and it, the, the, it would be open on its own accord. You had no idea why it was open. Nope. It would just be open. But once we set up shop down there, it stopped opening. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's fucked. Um, there, you know. Yeah. There, I mean, I know correlation doesn't equal causation, but still, that's kind of odd. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. That's a, that's a significant event where something that, no explanation how happening relatively frequently. Now we we do this, we move everything here, and now you peace out, MIA. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's an, it, it that's happens, an interesting timing, right? That's an interesting timing. It happens from time to time. I would say now, maybe once every seven to eight months. Once a year, essentially. Like, then, yeah, okay. Yeah, and it's like, huh, this is creepy. Because uh, what was it? Uh, I want to say in january sometime so we, we met our quota um i went down there i was like oh the cabinet's open cute so i closed it <laughs> adorable <I> pissed <laughs> you know wash my hands like i walk out i was like okay no fucking around down here um and you know but but the thing is with this house is like i always kind of think about paranormal activity too when i'm you know just kind of moving around like looking at the layout and shit like that and you know, one of the fun things about, you know, the, just that that subgenre of of horror being found footage is, like I said, the realism. And now how does it connect to you in, in the real world? It's like, oh, I could get lost in the woods out really in Burkittsville, Maryland. I could be up in Jersey looking for the Jersey Devil. Yeah. You know, 
totally. Why, why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could be in the catacombs in fucking Paris. You oh, know. as above, so below. Also slept on another gem. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yes. You could, yeah, you could. I mean, you could have been like, hey, we want to like do this really cool thing. We got to do an extreme tourism. We got to go kind of black market for it. These guys will take us down there. And mm-hmm. then things get totally fucked. Like you find a piano with a broken key that your little brother used to play or whatever. Oh, my God. I'm just like, what? Yeah. And that talk about claustrophobic. That's so claustrophobic. That movie's so effective. Just so effectively done. Ooh. Well, and I feel like even when you think about, you know, the evolution of found footage and where it's going in the future, you just, you know, it evolves with our technologies. And, and that's brilliant. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I think another thing, too, is, and I know, you know, folks may not want to hear this. And I know I'm not crazy about remakes or reboots or anything, but I feel like some of these things that we now have, you know, where it's been so long and, we, you know, we're sick of seeing Halloween done, you know, over and over and over and over. Oh, we're those last seeing, couple got really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're sick of Evil seeing. Dies Dante, <laughs> Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Jesus. Okay, you I'm know, sorry, dude. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I, I just had to do it. Otherwise, I forget. And then I'd be mad at myself. Okay, go on. But, um, you know, it, it wouldn't be, you know, out of the realm of, because we know what found footage is now. We we know it now. It, it's been around long enough where we are, we're all in on the gag. It's 25 years now that it's, you know. Yeah, it's embedded into mainstream our, culture. Absolutely. It's mainstream pop culture, for sure. Yep. Yeah. It's part of our language now. So it wouldn't be, you know, far-fetched to say, hey, well, let's do halloween found footage style or let's do friday the 13th they do have a prequel series coming you know how about a sequel later on or something again found footage style um i mean they they did uh what was it is it my amityville horror? no that that was actually the documentary but there is an amityville horror that's kind of a found footage style yeah there's a lot of different um, spinoffs of that of that so what you're saying is established properties would go from a traditionally shot and and a narrative done horror film and then instead go and be like resuited into a a found footage type story is that you're saying you you think that could possibly happen i think it could happen for one or two of the franchises i don't think you know you you know you go overkill but you know how hollywood will will just say hey let's just everybody do it it's a creatively bankrupt they're creatively fucking bankrupt so yeah i gotcha what what makes you think what what's uh do you mind me asking like what what's kind of the uh the bedrock of the foundation of of that thought process like where, where, where are you getting the idea that like these established ips might actually be transformed into the found footage genre where do you think that idea comes from because that's really interesting so, like it's everything's stale you know it's mm-hmm. been stale for a very long time now when it came back with halloween in 2018 with this you know the legacy sequel fresh ideal i love it scream came back you know again doing yeah. the same thing fun. Mm-hmm. chainsaw massacre they tried they shouldn't have they could have just they could have sat that one out. That's what but that's one of those rare remakes that I think is pretty amazing. The Texas Chainsaw remake, I think, is oh, oh yes. And I think that's also in terms of cinematography, one of the most beautiful, well shot looking mm-hmm. American horror movies ever. And by the way, shot by the same DP that shot the original. He's like 21, shoots the original, that makes this one. Mm. It's a grown man. Daniel Pearl is his name. And I'm just like, how fucking cool is that? Because Texas Chainsaw, uh, I remember watching that on a VHS renting from Blockbuster with my buddy. And so the yeah. the quality is kind of shitty, and that movie that movie changed everything because it just mm-hmm. you're used to like watching the cheesy kind of '80s and '90s movies, and you see this, it looks like a looks like a smut film, and there's all this wild stuff happening, and that changed everything. Not to go too off topic, but 
Oh no, anyway. you're, you're fine. But that's a podcast too. There's always tangents, right? That's kind of the operation. I'm sure this always happens. Okay. That's what I was explaining to my buddy the other day about we, we have a, a beer review show. And I told him like, one beer thing review? I, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. it, it's mostly sports talk, but we, we review beers kind of in between. We, we go on rants. I mean, it, it, in, in sometimes, you know, you might have an episode like the, you know, most recent Nightmare on Elm Street episode where we talk about Nightmare on Elm Street, but we also talked about the slasher genre because it still fits. It's in pocket. So absolutely, it all works here. Go, go works, on whatever man. tangent you need, my friend. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. But yeah, it, it, it's like, I feel like, you know, to some degree, you know, we have a, a stale feeling with a lot of the older properties and they're trying to still, you know, milk money out of them because of the franchise names. That's how you get your money. Hey, yes. we Built know this audience. movie, Built you know, yep. people remember Freddy Krueger. People remember Jason Voorhees and Chucky and Michael Myers and, and Leatherface and Pinhead. And, you know, people yes, want yes. to go see these things, but you know what about the ideal of like okay well like scream screams and you know going through some shit right now you know and my feeling with all the chaos that's going on over there and i i don't care personally in, in terms of like who who's doing what i know people you know got big feelings about one thing and picking sides i don't care just entertain me you know that that's that's the end of the day statement what's the, just what's the controversy yeah, just entertain. What's the comp what's the controversy about that again? Just so me. um Melissa Barrera, who plays Sam in the, yeah. the most recent two screams, mm -hmm. she um I believe she had spoken out about you know the stuff going on with Palestine and um Israel, I believe. Oh, she got political and, okay. Yes. Oh, so she ended okay. up getting released, and then Jen Ortega left, which she's I got a full plate oh already. God. Yeah, her and career the director, is really blown up. Like, he just left. And, you know, the, the studio is still determined. They're like, we're going to release a movie in 2025. We don't have stars. We don't have directors. But we're going to put a movie out. Holy and crow. I didn't know. I didn't. I was just aware. That I wasn't aware of all this drama. That's that's freaking yeah. crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, there might be new info out now. I don't know. I, I've kind of steered away from it because... Anytime I go on social media, it's constantly people picking sides. And I'm like, look, dude, I don't care. And it's not to say I'm a heartless person. I don't care about, you know, the, the ailments, you, you know, the, the uh, pains of the world. I, I'm not saying that. But also at the same time, too, I'm a dude in Baltimore, Maryland. I, you know, I, I like me screaming on social media ain't doing shit for nobody. Like, I'm here to just talk shit on a podcast. I'm here to watch some movies. I'm I'm here to, you know, be supportive in, in the jujitsu community for those, you know, who, who need it, however I can. But, you know, when it comes to like picking sides in the scream versus or Melissa Barrera versus scream battle, I'm not doing it, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I've kind of steered away from it. But, you know, just seeing that franchise and what's happening with it. You know, the, the thought is like, well, what do you do now? Do you, you know, continue on with a new story? Do you reboot, you know, like complete fresh reboot, like start it all over? Do you let it just rest for like 10, 15 years? You know, and it's like, well, you, Scream is one of those ones I think could get away with a found footage style. Um, if, if any of them could. 
Oh man, so, because it's because of the, the the meta awareness of that style yes. and the screen franchise is built on that meta awareness. Like we kind of know that we're in a movie that you're watching and we kind of mm -hmm. have a little bit of fun with that. That really would be yeah. super fitting for uh for found footage because again at that 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 meta aware nature of that we are filming this thing right now and people are looking at like that that could definitely fit a, a genre like a franchise like scream that's so built on that pop culture meta foundation they like to mess around with yeah yeah right. I, I feel like that that's the one that could do it if anyone could do it um you know even texas chainsaw massacre as well is another one that could get away with it absolutely the um, first one the first one is uh, looks like a foul footage horror movie in itself anyway because they, yes. shot, they shot on this really cheap like 16 millimeter film stock and like it just looks again looks so so authentic you're absolutely right like it totally could hey dante would you mind if i just we have a little tangent i told you a quick story about it's revolves yeah. around, it involves horror so i think you appreciate it in a way so absolutely so back in so i live in la back in 2003 i was going to film school uh i still oh yeah i do a bunch of film related stuff i'll talk about, I'll talk about that later and uh I uh, was going to school at Ithaca College in 2003, and I interned in LA and here uh, in California. And I actually had to intern for Wes Craven for his little production company. So, oh, nice. So I was doing what you, what you call coverage. You may be familiar with that term where on Red Scripts come in, and he was the intern. You do coverage, you read the thing, and you give a synopsis of it, and then you give like a pass or go ahead with it. So at that time, believe there or not, Wes Craven was attached to do an Alice in Wonderland project. Now, of course, Tim Burton years later would eventually be the one that took over that. But Wes Craven was attached to do something like that. And what we were doing was they were looking for a potential writer who, if the, the original script they wrote was really, really good, it could like, fit the style, maybe this person could write uh, this Alice in Wonderland script. So they weren't like looking for already established writers. They were actually kind of looking at some new faces. All right. So my job was just to write the coverage and say, hey, this would be good or it wouldn't be a good fit. But uh, But anyway... So I got to meet I got to meet Wes and I was also interning at Capitol Records at the same time. So I got a bunch of free CDs back when CDs are still a thing from them. And I gave them to his assistant. And I was like, Will you get me some like Wes like signed shit? And she was like, Absolutely. So she got Wes to personalize a scream soundtrack for me and some other stuff. Oh, nice. And he would and I only got to meet him once. He comes to the office, but we only met once. I said, Hey, thank you for all you did. Like, you know, it's such an honor to meet you. Oh no. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But you know, he's just such a humble dude, right? Rest in peace, by the way, Wes. Rest in peace. And uh, and then I got to go. Uh, remember that movie, uh, Cursed, with the with the werewolf story? Yes, with, uh, Jesse Eisenberg. And, yeah. So we got to go on set for one day filming of Cursed, but back then it was a whole different monstrosity that had Shannon Elizabeth and it had uh, Ski Ulrich in it. Like there was no Jesse Eisenberg or anything. It was it was a different monstrosity. I got to go on set. I got to meet Ski Ulrich and. Shannon Elizabeth and they were both very nice. We got to watch kind of Wes do his job. You know what I mean? In between shots, he's doing crossword puzzles. And then when the shot's lit, he puts that shit under his director's chair and he starts doing his thing. And I was like, wow, this is a master at his craft. Just doing his thing. This is so, so cool, you know? And then I've gotten a chance also to meet like Eli Roth and meet James Wan, Lee Wanell, all these dudes at different red carpet events that I shoot. Oh, nice. So when a movie comes out, that's another, look, I work a regular day job with Manny, like managing websites. It's a great gig for what it is. It's awesome. No complaints. I'm so grateful that I'm there. But also at the same time, like every motherfucker in the city, you're pursuing artistic endeavors. Like who's not? Like everyone's trying to write something or be on something or what have you, but that's part of the fun of it. So uh, uh, I've got to cover the red carpets for uh, Halloween Horror Nights. Have you ever done like a Halloween Horror Nights type of thing? Or like a not scary farm. Have you ever done any of those like those big haunted mazes? That's the yes. most fun fucking yes. shit. 
All right, I want to I want to hear all about that. Give me one second. I do want to hear all about that. And so, uh, yeah, so we would cover the, the the opening press night where press were invited and then fans who paid like extra money could go. And we got to interview all these hard dudes, you know, Rob Zombie and Sherry Moon Zombie and Jordan Peele mm -hmm. and uh, uh, oh, Ivan Reitman before he passed away. He was talking about the Ghostbusters his son was going to be making at the time. Uh, the the dude that the dude behind um, Haunting of Hill House and uh, Bly Manor. Yeah, Mike Flanagan. I got to meet him, and I met you know I met him. I met him at the, I met him at the premiere of his first big movie, uh, Oculus. So Ocul Oculus comes I out. I just watched that last week. I love that movie so much. It's, it's such craft. The transitions between the past and the and the present. There's such yes. craft in that, and he uses that same style in Hill House. Hill House has amazing transitions between the past and the uh, and the present. Mm -hmm. And I got I got to meet him, and then uh, and he was such a nice dude. And I was like, hey man, I'm gonna go see. I met him again years later at another. Uh, Halloween Hard Night Red Carpet, and uh, and I was like, "Hey man, I'm gonna, he was about to release his uh, his uh, what he he did a prequel to um, Ouija. He did uh, Ouija, Origins of Evil. Origins of Evil. That's a gem. That's a that's a great one too. And I was like, "Hey man, I'll be there. My buddies, I mean, my buddies will be there opening night because the best time to go to a horror movie is opening night. We're gonna be there. Of We're gonna get, get fucked up afterwards. Blah blah." And he was just like, "Oh my god, that's so awesome. I'm so glad you're doing that. Thank you. Like, there really are humble." People. So if anyone ever thinks that like, oh, these fucking celebrities, they probably think they're better than everybody else and blah, 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 and they're just in for the money, blah, blah. No, they're real artists at their craft who love doing what they do and they meet real fans. They're just overjoyed because they're also real fans too. So they meet yeah. someone who's geeking out over that stuff. So if anyone's listening to this and you're like, you want to be that guy, the one that makes people geek out on stuff or that gal that makes people want to geek out on stuff, you know, you, you, you know, every, everyone starts from just a dream so you can make things happen. You just got to fucking work your ass off. And take a lot of nonsense, take a lot of bullshit, but anyone can be capable of that. But anyway, I just wanted to share that that there's this like this whole world of like the behind the scenes stuff. I've been fortunate mm -hmm. enough to get to meet some of those guys and like ask some questions and da da da. So, and uh, and I got to meet Jason Blum even even before Get Out was released. We covered uh, the it was a paranormal activity holiday party. So they had a taco truck outside. They have this kind of haunted little fun little maze you can do. Uh, they have like a picture area for like photos, and then they had um. They had a monitor where you could watch people going through this little haunted maze they had up in the back, and there was a button you could press. And you press the button, like a big skeleton thing would like pop out of the wall and scare them. So you could scare people all night and watch yourself do it, and it was fucking <laughs> hilarious. And then we got to, and I got to meet Jason Blum. This is pre Get Out, so Jason Blum was like a, was known between like horror nerds like you and me. Like Blumhouse is like horror fans knew about it, but Get Out made Blumhouse way more well-known because I mean, yeah. it was such a fucking phenomenon like you couldn't escape it and it created what did that create the genre of elevated horror to get out create that that was that before that that's a whole other discussion you know what i mean yeah but uh it was just it's it really fun to get, get me jason blum and be like hey your business model is amazing you make great work all the time you're such an inspiration he was super cool and i got to meet Catherine newton that same night because a lot of paranormal activity actors were coming in and coming through the party, but no Micah and no Katie Featherston from the first one. We, none mm -hmm. of them came by. That would have been amazing, but it's that's all good. No, I mean no, uh, it's totally fine, obviously. And um, and this is before she she was really only known for that movie. She hadn't done anything else. She hadn't done like Blockers yet or uh, Freaky Friday, not Freaky Friday. Uh, uh, freaky. freaky, which yeah, Freaky. She hadn't done any of that stuff yet, and now she's giving that new Lisa Frankenstein one. You know, she's she's doing yeah. you know, she's doing well for herself too. So. Anyway, it's she's, just fun. Uh, yeah. an MCU now too. She's gonna be oh, she's Ant Man's daughter. Of Avengers. Yep. Oh, okay. Hold on. So she is 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 the 
Cassie daughter character of Ant-Man, her is going to be in Young Avengers or she's playing someone completely different? Nope, she's going to be Cassie. She she okay, gotcha. she was in uh, the most recent Ant-Man. Uh, Ant yeah, I, yeah, the Quantum uh, I, yeah. I love that one. It was dark and like Ant-Man like gets all bloodied up, gets the fucking shit kicked out of him. And I thought it was funny. I don't know. I like that one a lot. But I don't, we, I don't want to go to the whole Marvel thing. That's not what this is about. But that's... <laughs> But I, I I did love that one because it's I thought it was funny and kind of dark and fucked up. Same thing with the Doctor Strange sequel. I thought that was really cool and fucked up and weird and like Sam Raimi's hand was all over it. You could tell. Anyway, I'm getting squeezing those thoughts in, but we should focus on the job at task, which is absolutely our movies. <laughs> okay. Um, thank, I, I, thank you for I, I indulging will... me, dude. Thank you for indulging me. Nah, it's cool. <laughs> um, so when it comes to the ideal of found footage for you, you know you know we know that you know there's kind of a um personal hand with the paranormal activity uh franchise you know and and we spoke before we got on here uh you know we both love that franchise i'm sure everybody listening can tell we are fans of the franchise yep. but um <laughs> is there anything in in the found footage subgenre that that you've watched that you just kind of you're not really feeling and and i know when it comes to found footage you know, there are a handful of franchises, but a lot of them, like you said, are one-offs. So are there any specific ones that you felt like? Mm. Oh, great question. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, okay. If I can't think of the specific title per se, let me tell you, let me answer the first part of the question. What What are some like motifs or like uh, aesthetics or things they choose that you're like, ah, eh, maybe that's not really my, I think, I think one thing is um, there are some more modern horror, uh, horror movies. It just looks, it just looks too good. Like this looks like mm -hmm. a regular movie. Like there's yeah. just no way the camera you're holding looks this incredible, has this dynamic range getting like, I, I get it's still a movie. You want to be, be cinematic and you could be very cinematic with the final footage thing, having cool ways to, to, to frame the shots or the ways you, you can use the camera to reveal something or hide something in a way you can't do in a regular movie. Because again, it's a regular schmo sometimes holding the camera. Uh, but what happens with the more modern, some of the more bigger budget ones, it just looks too slick. It just looks too pretty. And too beautiful so that's something where i'm like remember this is remember that your your advantage here of choosing to make this kind of movie is lower production value can actually uh add authenticity and integrity to it it could be your best friend getting like a fucking sony viper that shoots like 8k and you're making it this way it's like i don't know if that was necessarily advantageous to you it's sort of like there's this kind of funny thing where uh the more expensive a comedy movie is the less money they tend to make, but the lower budget comedies mm -hmm. do really well. Like the, you know, so there, there is a, there is a delicate dance in the ballet that you kind of have to do with like making it cinematic and making it look like a movie that you want to get engaged in, but not making it look so good. where like, you're just kind of watching a regular movie. And then also I get mm -hmm. for the, for the element, the plot of the story to unfold and the cover a certain amount of action, they will cheat. You they'll, they'll cheat. Like it's supposed to be one camera there, but they're getting, they're getting multiple angles within that one. Like, you know, but they have to do that for coverage and stuff. If they do it really slickly, you might not even notice it. If they if they can hide it with edits, maybe hide it with like a some kind of a piece of sound design to kind of cover the edit, then you won't even notice it. But but lesser quality movies made, it's just so obvious that like, dude, where's that camera coming from? You can't even try to hide it, you know? And the people be like, oh, wasn't that falling into nitpicky? I go, no, this is more just like that's so glaringly obvious. It, it pulled me out. I'm not like looking for something to be wrong. It's the opposite. I don't want anything to be wrong. I want everything to be fucking awesome all the time. Like the Lego movie, you know, everything is awesome. It's like not the, not the worst perspective in the world, but you know, but that's, that's what it is, man. Jonathan, it's, it's, it's too slick and 
cheating too much with the like the phantom camera it's not really there those two things what about you i want to hear i'd love to hear your answer on that so that that's a big part of it right there is like it looks too clean it can't be clean and now i know again with the paranormal activity franchise a lot of that was very clean you look at the first one you know they played the game of like look micah just went on bought a brand new camera so they cover that base we know and in the second one you got security cameras. You know they're a wealthy family. They got these these yeah. high definition. Cameras. I bought all that. I believe I bought all the end of that. Did you? Did you? Like you were like, okay, yep. I accept this. Okay, great. Yep. They, you know those points made sense. The third one now they're it's VHS and it started off where the quality was a little okay. This feels like the eighties. But like as the movie it. went along, it got a little cleaner. But then mm -hmm. it got gritty again. So okay. it was a little inconsistent. But still, if you're if I only say it because I've watched it so many times. So it's like when, when you're on number 12 at this point, you're like, okay, you start noticing <laughs> things, but the first few times yeah. you don't pick up on it. It's just like, it right. feels right. The fourth one, I, like I said, I've had my issues with that, but at least the technology they're using gives a reason for everything being so clean. The fifth one went with the GoPro and it fit the bill. It looked like it was a GoPro. Everything was fine, but there were points where the camera angles were like that, feels like that's not right yeah and yeah. something's off here and i think Still we can be forgiving movie. yeah we can be forgiving to an extent but there is a point mm -hmm. but, but there's a point though where it's like you're this, this is just bad this is just bad and lazy you know yeah. what i mean yeah. or you clearly didn't get what you needed on the day or whatever and then you're doing it later which again it's a low budget you know no one's perfect i mean who am i to even judge about yeah. that but but yeah and those things are only noticed because i've watched it so many times there you I'm go like, okay it, it, you don't notice it the first couple times because it's like you're just wrapped up in the story. The sixth one, it, it I enjoyed it because they gave you a different element. Now we're like they found this camera that's really goofy. It's really weird. This fucking special camera. So it's going to have its moments. It's going to be grainy. It's going to be clear. It, you and know, it, it's, it's yeah. going to be inconsistent. So it works. That works. Um, and that movie too, that that the pacing of that movie is so different than all the other ones. Like the shit that starts and it kind of never stops. And it, mm -hmm. it's a, I think that's such a great after our discussion of previous movies of having those mundane moments. But we gotten so good at like really learning the mythology, really thinking like everyone's real in in, in our own fun way. This yeah. last movie, they were like, well, let's just kind of turn the dial up and just have way more shit happen like consistently. And it's just such a fun payoff. Like that's just bad yeah. shit so much of the time. So. Yeah, I thought that was really, really cool how they did that. And that walkie camera was a clever thing they'd never done before. Yeah. And it was like a expect had like a spectrometer, like a pick up different things. It was like, okay, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm buying this. I'm buying into the reality. I'm buying this. And that's a big, Thanks. huge part of the job of the, I'm sorry, I didn't cut you off. The huge part of the job of the film mm -hmm. is the, the audience has to buy into it, man. And like, you got to do a little bit of extra work to make things seem believable. Otherwise, the audience is going to turn on you mentally and they're just not going to get invested in it, you know? Agreed. Agreed. Um, but yeah, like, it, you know, if it looks too clean, it looks too polished. I can't, I can't believe, you know, I don't feel yeah. like it's believable. The buying and, into it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, that's kind of where you run into the issue with, um, rec versus quarantine. Okay. Though I did enjoy quarantine. I felt like quarantine, especially for a time was a little too clean. It, it looks really, it looks really nice. Yeah. It's yeah. true. It's true. Now you got some more modern uh, found footage films that they're clean. But again, the reason is the technology has improved. 
So you can go with the idea that, hey, they're doing, you know, and I like to use host as the example from 2020 during COVID. You know, this came out in July. So all about the Zoom call, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's like this all makes sense. It all it, it checks. Everything checks. I'm fine with it. That you know it's okay for it to be clean because again of of the format that is under you know but when when things just seem like everything is too like on the nose it's like you, you know these are scripted but you know what you want to do is like with the Blair Witch is like they kind of let them improv it a little bit they gave them scenarios and said go and we'll yeah. we'll, we'll supply the scares later but you guys just go and you know that's where that that downtime comes into play because you're kind of roaming around the woods you're bullshitting with each other you're talking you're you're talking shit to each other you're frustrated you're tired you're cold and then it you know you're waiting for something to happen and it doesn't happen and then when it does it's like okay it's go time so you know but you know that that's in the pioneering days of it you know as we get to now it's like you got producers that are like look we need to turn this around we need to crank it up we need to you know make this look polished and it's like you don't need to make it look polished exactly you, know? you don't need to do that it's actually be to your yeah. detriment to do that it would be to yeah. your detriment it is not advantageous for you to do that yeah that's that's spot on i mean yeah, I remember looking at, at, like looking at looking at hell house right now in the background it's like i love this movie it's scary it gets the yeah. job done, but and, it's pretty clean. It's pretty polished, but it's but, still scary. But the, the 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 quality of the footage itself, though, I think there's enough of a great of a grainy kind of dark, like not always really that great lit, not too sharp. I think, and that's what keeps it. Yes, scary. if you the compare Hell House, is, is yeah. not great. The the shaking of the camera is like yeah. really good. And you're, and you're always you a, and you're, yeah. I'm sorry. And you're hearing the you hear them bump against the onboard mic. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, if we're gonna make a found footage horror movie, you have to. You have to have at least a few times where there's a sound of someone bumping into the onboard mic. I'm telling you, that's going to yeah. ground it in fucking reality so easily. Just have someone bump into the onboard mic. Okay. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, as, as I look at this, it's like, okay, again, it's a little, it's a little polished. It's a little clean, but like right here, the scene that I'm looking at is grainy. There we go. The, yeah. the, the video is kind of fucked up. It's like, that's perfect. The movements perfect. are fucked up. So it's like, okay, everything is good right here with the movements because it is nauseating. You know, yeah. That's kind of what I want. I want to be dizzy. I want to be nauseous. Yeah. You know, make make me uncomfortable. Movements. Yeah. Make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, let's go to another point. I think that, that, that uh, could be irritating. One thing that hell house does really well when they're talking, it really does just sound like that's what the audio would sound like if you're shooting with this mm -hmm. camera and you weren't, you know, nobody mic'd up. But then other found footage horror movies, everyone, no matter where they are, they sound perfect. And you're like, there's yeah. no way she would sound like that. And again, it, are we crossing into nitpicky or are we just pointing out, you gotta do, you gotta hide it a little bit better. You know what I mean? Like, yes, that's, that's all. It's not being nitpicky. It's just like, yeah, it's just a little, eh, it's like the movies, we're still having a great time. Still having a great time. Don't get me wrong. But like, there's just no way that everyone would sound that great. And again, if you use it to your advantage yeah. of having the audio not be great, think of how you have some fun sound design elements with that, where like changes in audio levels because you are using this onboard mic. I mean, this, I don't know. Just yeah. think outside the box a little bit. But uh, again, how so pretentious do I sound? Think outside the box. I post banners to websites and Manny for eight hours a day. And I'm like, they should fucking try harder. I'm very aware of how ridiculous I sound, and, and partly. So I'm, I'm aware. And that's the thing. I think Rec does that very well, though, too, yep. where the, the sound, it, it sounds just like what you would imagine 
They're just, yes. you know, it's a news crew. So it's like, it sounds good, but there's also points where it's like, okay, you know, you turn away with the camera and there's, you know, dialogue going on over here and it's kind of muffled and you come back and then it picks up because the mic is facing it now. Exactly. So like, exactly. You got to be smart about it. That's a perfect example. That's a perfect example. Yeah. You got to be smart about it. So, so yeah, when, when you look at the overall, um, just, you know, subgenre of, of found footage, it's like, I, I feel like it, it's such a smart evolution uh, of, of the genre in itself. It's such a smart change that, you know, again, you get so many people that, you know, they, they think it's cheap. They think, yeah. oh, well, you they know, it's, it's, it's easy, yeah. easy work. It's like, you know, maybe, but maybe not as well. I mean, it, it's not about like the work being hard. I mean, Rush was fucking Marvel movies and, and, you know, I'm not saying that they aren't working hard. I'm not, you know, by any means. I know, you know, they're, they're working actors. No, they're putting 18-hour the eighteen hour days in. It's it's, it's pretty yeah. grueling, yeah. You know, but you also have a lot of CGI going on as well. So it's a like, A lot okay. of green screen. Yeah, a lot of yeah. being inside in the air-conditioned studio with the green screen and then sitting in your trailer in between setups. Like, I, yeah, there's that element too, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like there's, you know, work. And I'm, again, not saying it's too, too easy, but it's like, it's not, you know, Tom Cruise running and jumping off a plane doing his own stunt hard oh, work. He's such a bad you know. motherfucker. He's so badass. The latest Mission Impossible, I thought was just so amazing. He's he's doing it all himself. Top Gun flies the jets all himself. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. If he if he wasn't a Scientologist, I think he would be like the coolest person that ever existed. But he believes in fucking he believes that Lord Zeno put Deaton's in our system but to get him out by paying a lot of money. That's just, if he didn't have that part, he would be the coolest guy that ever lived. <laughs> yeah, fun found footage escaping Scientology. See, Hollywood, we're already coming up with such good shit. We're already coming up with it. Okay, yes. Found footage gonna have Scientology. Oh, speaking of like a cult like uh uh found footage horror film, have you seen the sacrament? Yes, yes. I love that one. That again, that transcends genre for me. That's one of my favorite movies ever. And then that's mm -hmm. one where uh remember you earlier, Dante, you were talking about different horror movies kind of frame the story differently. There's like the yep. just found found a tapes of a camera abandoned somewhere, and then there's a documentary crew. So this one is uh, it's and they use Vice. They use Vice as the framing mm -hmm. device where they're filming a Vice documentary on this cult that this uh, guy's sister joined. And now this one looks very clean. It looks so beautiful, but I'm okay with that because they're professional documentary filmmakers shooting for Vice, which is a massive, massive news organization, right? Yep. That makes it to be clean and it looks so gorgeous, but you're just watching talented camera guys making a documentary, shooting their B-roll, right? So it just, that's an example where everything fits in really, really nicely because they're really beautiful looking yep. shots and these really amazing movements. Well, technically in the world of that film, again, we have paid professionals shooting this video. So it's going to look fucking awesome. So that's yep. another gem that have won't have seen that this, the sacrament and fun fact, Dante, I shot the premiere of the sacrament. And we got to interview everybody and all that stuff. And, and I'd already seen the movie before the premiere. So I was telling all the crews there. Like I work with a host, like a female that interviews the people. And there's other uh, camera dudes. And I was telling everybody, like, dude, this movie fucking kicks ass. Like, you have to watch this one. And that's the only movie I've ever done that for. So that's just nice. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah, we, we watched The Sacrament a while back. And I forgot that we had watched it. Uh -huh. And then, you know, I, I want to say I watched it back in September again. It of 2023? Of last uh, yes. It's like last September? Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, okay, I'm watching. I was like, oh yeah, Jonestown. Okay, we're playing off of Jonestown. That's exactly now I remember it. And and you know, as we're watching it now, this is where I was in my nitpick bag. <laughs> as Ooh, we're watching, I was trying. Okay. I was okay. trying to find. There was a shot that I was like, that's impossible for that shot to have happened. But no, it wasn't. <laughs> it 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 was done just right. But I was being a I was being a dick about it. You were being a like, fucking dick about it, dude. No, it's yeah. all right. It's I was all right. like, that that fucking shot should not happen yeah. because if he's over here in front, up there in front of everybody, there's no way there should be another camp. I was like, oh yeah, never mind. There is duh, because it's a documentary crew. Never mind. I'm an asshole. I'm so sorry. This was right. I was wrong. I will never <laughs> in my you know, my wife's just like, just no. And she's explained it to me. And I was arguing, and then I realized like, oh, never mind. I'm stupid. I get you now. But that, that's one that, you know, again, when you take the ideal of the documentary style found footage, those are the ones that can be a little bit cleaner because it's the ideal that it's supposed to be a documentary. Exactly. So everything is meant to look like a, a production. Like professionals are making it. Professionals yes. are making it. Exactly. It's yes. not, yeah, it's not chronicle with the, it, it's a bunch of kids have found it. It's professionals making the movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, and, and that's another thing too, as we kind of talk about, you know the found footage uh subgenre in, in in movies or the genre in movie you know that that we see you know it it crept from horror and it did go into you know comic book and sci-fi and, and all these different things and it's like cool, yeah. it's so interesting because you know you have you know like i said project almanac you know and, and shot, that, that one's cool i saw the premiere of that too i'm so sorry to interrupt you i also shot no that no premiere. no i fine. just i just have to fucking name drop and sound like a douchebag i also shot that premiere okay go ahead <laughs> no no that that was one of my favorite movies because i love me some fucking time travel very like, cool stuff anybody time knows travel, me yeah. they they know i love time travel so much so that i will nitpick that so yeah like the the time travel aspect of uh project almanac it's such a brilliant thing that you're taking to found footage now and then you got project x where now you're taking you know the these stories of like high schoolers and they're documenting their whole thing and it's a found footage and then end of watch you know body cam footage of cops so i mean found footage as a horror subgenre spilling over into other uh genres of films i mean it just shows kind of the power here that's still kind of relatively untapped so I, I don't I don't know. I I'm a big fan of it and I would love to see, you know, and like I said, I know we had kind of a we were oversaturated at one point, but I think there's still smart ways to do found footage without drowning the audience in in, in what's out there. So I I, I I enjoyed just immensely. You know, with that being what it is, then Let's go ahead and uh, wrap this bad boy up. But this was like, so fucking fun, man. Thank you so much. This is so you're really good at this. You're really, really good at this. And no, thank you. Thank you. The, the, the bassy voice and the, the intensity in which you talk. It's, it's it's like it's really engaging listening to you talk. Well, thank you. That that means a lot to me. I do appreciate that. Yeah, that was um, really fun. That was so fun. But but no, yeah. um, Absolutely, okay. you know, would love to have you back on. This this was such a fun conversation with you. And Thank you so much. Likewise, awesome. I appreciate your time. And as always, everybody listening, if you have any questions, concerns, criticisms, criticisms, feel free to reach out. You can find me at So You Like Horror on Instagram, all the words separated by underscores, or you can email me at So You Like Horror 
at gmail.com. That seems right. Or Facebook, you know, all, you know, so you like horror is everywhere on, on all these things. But, um, but yeah, if you got any ideal suggestions, you want to be a guest, even reach out. I, I'm open. I, I, you know, I want everybody to be a part of this, but, um, but yes, thank you everyone. And thank you again to my guests, Dan. I appreciate you making the time. I can't wait to do this again. And I can't wait to go back and listen to this on, you know, on the playback so I can get this episode prepped and ready for everybody. So as always, everyone, thank you so much. I love you all. You guys keep listening. We'll definitely keep making these shows. Thanks, everybody. And goodbye. I think that's good for now. The end.